a time, I suppose. Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we take a look at the director's cut of Zack Snyder's Watchmen, one minute at a time. My name is Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. I'm Eric Nash. I'm Rick from the Mad Max Minute. And I'm Julia from the Mad Max Minute. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you. Minute 103 starts with Rorschach examining a crime scene and ends with Blair Roach's murderer coming home. Um, my first couple of notes we've kind of already talked about, um, but it's like in this minute we start to see that he's investigating the these kind of deep bloody grooves on the butcher's block in the kitchen and then finds the, the various cutting tools in the cabinet. And that's when it occurred to me that we really only know that the girl has been dismembered and, and now fed to these dogs. So kind of going back to we're not sure if he's just a killer or worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of glad that it's left vague as to the details because, you know, either way it's horrible and gross, but it, it works on a lot of levels because it's open to interpretation, I suppose. I think it is open to interpretation, by the end of this scene, Rorschach is going to take justice into his own hands. And different people, of course, fictional world being different than real world, even in a fictional world, different people have different levels of inhumane behaviors that can justify to them murdering somebody for punishment. Yeah. So some people, some viewers are okay with a murderer being murdered. Some of them need a little bit more to justify that. Mm. And the scene is leading us to be okay with what Rorschach does. Yeah. Like, yes, it was gruesome, and I'm so grateful that our minutes on Friday cut off right before (laughs) that happens. (laughs) But I'm okay with it happening. Sure. And some people, to be okay with that happening need to think him worse than a murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a, a case where the punishment fits the crime. Um, the Going back to just the tone of everything in this, really this whole week, The uh, I, I want to talk about the music a little bit and just how eerie it is and how like you don't notice it all the time, but just throughout the whole whole week, really, it's... Uh, it's like it's always there and it's always just creepy and it makes you feel dirty. I think the music actually feels dirty in this minute mm. and this week, which is pretty impressive. So, And uh, uh, on the on this counter here, even though it's the counter, it's certainly higher up than the the, <laughs> the scene from the other movie. But does anyone else get a seven vibe? Um, I mean, in particular, I mean, it's, it's, it's on the floor and it's the uh, the refrigerator, which is right next to him here. Uh, in the scene, in the scenes early in the movie seven, uh, the uh, refrigerator gouging out the parts of the floor. Oh, uh, okay. And that being used as a clue, much more interestingly than this, but hmm. but just uh, just the, just a flashlight looking down at these gouges in the countertop or cutting board or whatever. Yeah, this is... it's something that we talked about, or I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I think that you know it. This movie shares the production designer Alec McDowell or Alex McDowell with uh, Fight Club, and I think this week in particular, and all of the stuff with Rorschach for the most part, really has a strong Fight Club vibe to it. Mm. Especially like in terms of the 
the dilapidated house that they live in in Fight Club. Like it just feels kind of the same. And I'm I would not be surprised if Alex McDowell went with the director on Fight Club. Fincher. Was that Fink Finkner? Finch Fincher. Fincher, Fincher. yeah. So and he did seven as well, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So it would not surprise me if if uh Alex McDowell did seven as well. Production designer. No, different, but either way it's the same philosophy of using texture to tell a story. Sure. In both cases it it's not said blatantly this is how those marks got there. We are led to understand how those marks got there and what that means for the story and the events. Yeah. Texture in this type of medium and such a visual medium can be a little bit tricky. I'm thinking about the texture of Rorschach's mask. Once, okay. When we see up close, it, it looks like burlap. Yeah. And that's incredibly misleading, but it also makes his character feel a little bit more homemade. If I were going to make a mask for myself, burlap would be something, a material I would consider using. It's breathable, it's cheap. Sure. So that that tells us something about Rorschach that his costume is homemade, even though that texture isn't exactly accurate. It still teaches us something. And it's especially highlighted against the very slick and very finished costumes that Dan and Lori wear mm-hmm. when they're Night Owl and Silk Spectre. Sure. I mean, Lori, you know, we were talking about latex earlier. She runs around in what is essentially just a latex unitard with some tall boots attached to it and it's, right you know doesn't strike me as remarkably breathable and of course dan's costume especially in the movie <laughs> looks straight out of the nolan verse yeah. yeah yes it very much does i feel was very much on purpose but mm-hmm. either way then you line that up against rorschach who he's dressed like the question from dc comics that's sure incredibly simple you change the color scheme from blue to brown and there you go yeah that's yeah i think very intentional um something that to me is an intense detail is when you go to uh Orsak goes to the window after he hears the dogs um after he's been looking at this you know countertop with the the knives and everything and he hears the dogs so he goes to the window and then he sees what they're fighting over or wrestling over and it's the this leg and it's 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 an intense detail like in the book they use almost like the standard cartoon leg bone with no Mm. real detail um just a simple white bone with like not two knobbies on on either end of the bone so it's just very simple when you're looking at it in the book you more or less need a basic understanding of human anatomy to realize that it's a femur but in the movie they want to make sure that everyone can understand that this is a leg. Exactly. And it's not just a femur like it is in the book. This is the entire leg of a small child, including right. the foot still attached. Yeah. yeah, with the shoe. and It's an incredibly gory detail. Yeah, yeah. They go to the extra effort of including a lot more of that detail, and it adds to it just being disturbing. And... I. I, who goes to work and has to make a child's leg? You know, like how do you <laughs> yeah. how do you sleep that night? You know. I, yes. 
I mean, making any leg of any size in this fashion. But then their bosses are like, but no, you have to make it child size. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the shoe mm. that has to go on it, and it's a little girl's shoe. That's horrific. It's sure. shocking, and I appreciate the way they have, you know, Ed Walter Kovacs dressed up as Rorschach reacting to this sight. Yeah. He's standing at the window looking for clues, and then he gets this sudden realization, and he leans in dramatically. And the way they do that in the animatic is especially affecting because not only does he have a sudden lean in, but they make the blodge, uh, they make the spots on his mask move around dramatically. Yeah, because the mask is his face, and so since we don't get a shocked expression, the blobs would move accordingly, and we get a little bit of that in the actual movie as well. This reveal, something that delighted me about this reveal, which delighted is an odd word <laughs> to use, but nevertheless. You realize that we've already seen the dogs playing right. with this bone. Mm -hmm. When when Rorschach first entered that house, he we saw the dogs and they were fighting over something. And at the time, it meant nothing. They were just being dogs. And now we discover that that meant everything. Yeah, yeah. I like that. There's a little. Uh, it, it's a little subtle. Like when he sees the leg, sees the dogs fighting over it. You can hear the sound of a child's scream it's there i don't know if it's if it stands out you know every time but it i like the little detail i guess it's him imagining or you know i think it's an interesting little addition right there hmm. um so we ready for uh the murderer to come home as ready as we'll ever be <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> it's in the book it's uh the, his name is Gerald Grice. They don't they don't credit him as such in the in the movie here. Um, obviously, it doesn't get spoken, so it doesn't really matter. But but yeah, and then the him coming home, you see him next to the house, calling out to Fred and Barney, mm -hmm. asking which one has a has a bark uh, for him, and that little bit there is also not in the theatrical. But I like that we get a very brief glimpse into this guy's life, just just in terms of how he interacts with these dogs. Like, as we've been shown, you know, he's a monster and but clearly has a soft spot for these dogs. So I find that to be, you know, it's interesting when you can, someone can, you know, be a monster to one, like, to a child, or in this case, you know, to a child, but then it can also be, uh, loving to animals you know it's it's an odd mm. mix mixture i guess it is one thing about the transition from the book to the movie that i appreciate is that we cut straight from rorschach realizing the dogs are chewing on a leg bone to gerald coming home yeah there's nothing in between his realization and the homeowner coming back because in the book rorschach has his grand transition sure. from Walter to Rorschach and they put that off in the movie which I feel is the better idea. I agree. Yeah, I think it has more impact in the uh in the movie in in the place that it does. So more of a shock of impact. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Eric, what do you think? Uh yeah, I mean it's you know what 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 we see coming up uh 
you know, Rorschach uh, <laughs> kind of terrorizing this guy to get, you know, to kind of get a, a something of a straight answer out of him and, and then uh, doing him in. That that sure does uh, kind of put him over the edge and, and change, you know, certainly not all of our, the audience's mind because we've kind of had this thing throughout the movie. I mean, knowing if, if you hadn't read the book, you know, I think you kind of get the feeling that he's not all on the up and up and, 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 uh, you know, uh, the cops are after him. There's, there, there's the keen act and, and he, and he's breaking the law by being, being a costumed, <laughs> uh, hero in quotes, um, in, in the 85, uh, at that time in 85, but then, uh, you certainly have all the flashbacks and you get, you know, get, you get to see the good side of him in a sense that of, 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 of him, uh, being, a a, uh, a teammate to Night Owl and others, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the turn here, you know, of when he actually commits the act and that puts him over the edge, you know, coming up, that that's, I think that works awfully well. Yeah. Um, I, I like the, uh, the line about it being dark when the murderer got back and mm-hmm. then following that up with as dark as it gets. Because if a line like as dark as it gets would be cheesy if the scene weren't so grim. But I think it totally works here because, you know, th- how this is a dark thing for someone to go through this, this investigating this, you know, house. Um, you're going to be changed when this is over with. And so I can't imagine anything darker than this. And so obviously to compare that to the darkness just physically in the space just in terms of lighting like i think it's a it's a nice way to tie that in so yeah this whole story is rather interesting from a viewer's standpoint because you start off this movie and you hear rorschach going off with his rhetoric and talking about you know the streets are filled with you know the streets are (laughs) extended gutters and the gutters are filled with blood and you're just like Oh, what a total edge lord! <laughs> yeah, what are you talking no about? wonder he, no wonder he wears a trench coat and a fedora type of thing. But then you see flashes of his childhood, and especially in the ink blot test, you get a sense of what he went through growing up and this experience here, especially, and you start to understand, not condone, but understand. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just who Rorschach is. Yeah, um, this kind of stuff definitely makes me like Rorschach a lot more um, throughout the first part of the movie and, you know, first couple of scenes we had with him. And he, you know, he makes his stance on liberals and people with with, you know, what he de- deems like personality disorders you know, so it was interesting to kind of go through that this time and and find out like, oh, he's kind of a piece of shit because he, you know, thinks that people like uh, Silhouette are living an indecent lifestyle because she's gay. You know, so it's easy to to want to distance yourself from Rorschach because of his views on stuff like that. But then once he, you know, he doesn't go soft on this, you know, this murderer, and you, it's like, okay, I'm, you're not all bad, Rorschach. <laughs> yeah, but he's definitely not all good. Right. Somehow he is a gray area in between the black and white. So, Right, and as long as we can agree on what the bad things are, then we're okay with the punishment he doles out. Sure. Like, we, okay, we can all agree that murder and possible molestation is bad. So therefore we can all get on board 
with him taking justice into his own hands. But things that aren't so black and white, good or bad, like homosexuality, well, a lot of us can't get behind his opinion. Right. A lot of us are okay. So we can't get behind his his punishment or his condoning of others punishing homosexuals. Right. Yeah, and it's not just his distaste of the homosexual lifestyle. There's also a lot of the things that he says to Lori and about Lori mm. and even about the original Silk yeah. Spectre, her mother, mm-hmm. in this movie yeah. that are just deeply troubling. Yeah. Yes. He takes all of those pent-up aggressions and resentments of his mother and he just broadcasts that or sure. projects it onto every other woman in existence. Yeah. Calls her Oh, own. that's very true. Yeah. A lot of his a lot of the acts that he deems criminal or obscene revolve around sex. Mm-hmm. Which is the same ideas that of his mother that damaged him so badly. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of the times as he's walking down the streets, he will be approached or propositioned by sex workers and he will ignore them. But then when he talks about Lori, he talks about her in terms of being a government paid sex worker. Yeah. The idea that she's only there to ground <laughs> Dr. Manhattan and that, her stepping out on the town with Dan is her being unpatriotic. It's just like that scene where uh, Lori took that one agent and slammed him into the table. Right. For being called a whore. Well, uh, Rick, it definitely seems like you've uh, read the book before. I know you've said as much. <laughs> um, Julia, what is your history with the book? I have absolutely no history with the book whatsoever. Okay. okay. Fair <laughs> it enough. It is on our bookshelves, but that is only because Rick bought it to read. I have not read it. Okay. And then I guess what would the – for both of you, what is your history with the movie? Well, our history with the movie is – this is pretty rare for us, but it is completely shared. We were dating when the movie came out, mm-hmm. and we went and saw it. But it was before the days of theaters where you could reserve your own seat. Okay. And we hit some traffic on our way to the theater. So we ended up in the front row. Uh, of an, an IMAX screening. Of an Ooh. IMAX screening. And in hindsight, we should have cut our losses and just done something else. Yeah. But no, we wanted to see Watchmen. <laughs> we were so close to the screen that there were parts of the movie where you would look up at the screen and nothing would be happening. And then we turn to look to the other side of the screen, and then everything is just rushing towards us. Hmm. I'm yeah. talking about Dan's uh, dream sequence specifically. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was very different viewing it that way. And I don't think we ever went back to see it properly. No, we didn't. After that, the the next time we saw the movie was yesterday. Oh, wow. Yep. Now, I did spend some time looking at Watchmen because when I was going to school, one of the classes that they had just started up on offer was an English credit talking about the literature of the graphic novel. And so that's where I picked up a copy of Watchmen. Um, That's where I picked up like V for Vendetta and Understanding Comics and all of those materials that I still have on my bookshelf here. But Watchmen was one of those that we talked about 
that just had a lot of cultural impact and it was a text worthy of in-depth study in a college academic setting. Very jealous of people that, you know, got to take college classes and, and <laughs> you know, cover stuff like this. So, yeah, yeah, that's really cool, though. They've they've since taken that course and expanded it to be a combination English and art credit. Okay. Because when I took it, it was very much about the literature of the comics. There was no, you know, try and understand the artistic element of it as well. But nowadays, when people take the class at the uh, college where I work, I went there and then I got hired there. That's my backstory. Okay. But they've expanded it into a larger class. So now instead of just going for you know three days a week for about an hour, you go two days a week for several hours and you get all of the literature discussing, but you also really delve into the art styles that are on display and even several of their projects involve getting involved with the process directly. And it's really fascinating. It sounds really cool. All right. Um, so should we come back tomorrow then for minute 104? Oh, certainly. Okay. We will be back for minute 104 tomorrow, which is Thursday. But until then, who watches The Watchmen? We do. We do. Watchmen are over. <laughs>